Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sarah Purnell. And I'm Sophie Waters. And today, for the finale of season two, we are looking at The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefvater. Blue Sargent knows that if she kisses her true love, he will die. While Blue holds no psychic powers herself, she's been told this by her mother and every other psychic she's met. So when Blue sees a spirit on the corpse road on St Mark's Eve for the very first time, she hears a name, Gansey. And it's said that the only way for a non-seer to see a spirit on St Mark's Eve is if he's your true love or you killed them. Blue fully intends to stay away from boys, especially the Raven boys from Agley and Bee Academy. But when Gansey appears at her house for a reading, she falls headfirst into their world of dreams, ancient Welsh kings and ley lines as she's sucked into their search for the resting place of Glendower and the wish he will grant to the person who wakes him. Ooh. <laughs> it's weirdly difficult to summarise the Raven Boys. Yeah. Because I feel like there's just so much there. There is so much. Like... This was the fourth time I've read The Raven Boys. <laughs> and I said to you, like, it gets it gets better every time. Like, there's just more there. Mm-hmm. And the writing is more beautiful and it's just more spectacular every single time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I love it. As always, we're going to look at the book through the lens of our kind of benchmarks of dark academia. And the first one is, as always, a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. Hmm. And it's kind of, it's kind of there. Yeah. But also we're never really there. <laughs> <laughs> so the boys go to Agley and Beer Academy, which is an exclusive um, boarding school hmm. in, in Virginia. Um, and while we see a little bit of the boys there, we don't, really go very often do we no and i suppose if you're gonna argue that blue is the main character she don't think she ever sets foot on the campus does she no we don't even see her at her school no it's it's not the center of but i think that the school's reputation and like what it means to the town of Henrietta and the way it influences it has enough mm. of a presence. There's always a presence of like the Agni and B, like Raven Boys. Yeah. And I think the way it positions, you know, Gansey, Rowan, Noah and Adam yeah. against Blue. Not not against as in they're fighting against, as in comparing. Yeah. And also kind of that position of with Adam within that group as well. It's it's used as a way to highlight. Yeah. It's, it's also um it's also kind of like a pressure point as well, isn't it? Cuz mm. even though these these boys are all very well off well, apart from one, but they're all like in a very um privileged kind of situation, they still have to or expected to kind of up hold what it means to be a student at that school yeah and that takes pre- that's though, supposed to take precedent over everything but it's the bottom it's the bottom of their list of priorities <laughs> yeah because it doesn't matter if they make it through that school 
they're never going to have to work. They're never going to have to fight to get a university place. No, but it, it, it means that the difference is it's not about them. They're not worried about dropping out of school. Like for Gansey, it's like if he gets kicked out of school, then he can't be at Henrietta, which is the his main like focus yeah. for finding Glendower. And, um, and then if any of... For, I think for him, it's just important that the whole group stays together. So then he becomes yeah. really kind of... He he takes on a lot of uh, responsibility for all of them, whether they want to or not. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the the kind of the linchpin yeah. of the group, isn't he? Which is ironic because it's not his surnames that that's Lynch. But and I think I think that kind of goes with the same old Gothic architecture. We don't really know because we don't really go to the school, but it no. it doesn't matter because the atmosphere that that old gothic architecture creates is there without the school yeah Um, because maggie's a legend see she knows (laughs) (laughs) and now there's one here (laughs) i think in place of the old gothic architecture you do have buildings that have a presence like they're almost like a character like the factory that they live in the boys live in and then Monmouth manufacturing yeah and also blue's house as well it has its mm-hmm. own kind of presence in a in the way that a lot of gothic architecture does yeah and i mean we open with st mark's eve in the church don't we yeah which becomes a pivotal well i mean it starts off as a pivotal um point but we loop back to that as well so buildings are and homes are more important than schools and academic settings because the academics sit outside of school. Yeah. Because our, our usual focus would be a preoccupation with classical studies, Latin, Greek, literature, philosophy. But these guys are... Their academic focus, and it is academic, is focusing on history and folklore and legend and magic yeah. in the search of ley lines which are like magical roads. Yeah. Um, ancient magical roads. And um, the Welsh king, Glendower, who they're searching for. So that is their kind of academic obsession, particularly Gansey. But they're all looped up into this mystery and this search, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because we all, you almost could have had that same kind of setup that um you know we see in the secret history with like julian kind of almost like egging on the students in a Mm. certain kind of way but whereas we have with barrington welk (laughs) instead he's just (laughs) he's just as kind of self-serving as julian is but he's kind of keep rather than kind of um uh i don't know trying to inspire something in his students mm. he just kind of keeps it to himself he's competition isn't yeah. he yeah but at the same time so barrington welk is their latin teacher correct okay and he when he was a boy at agley and b he's his father like lost the family fortune you know welk lost everything and now that he is not rich 
He's also not psychically gifted. He's not particularly academically gifted. He can't be involved in the search for Glendower in the way that Gansey is. Yeah. Because he doesn't have those things. He's he's not rich anymore, so he isn't special enough almost. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think there's also a difference in... There almost seems to be um, a difference in intention as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think almost like he's he's found wanting in the sense that he want he he's searching for Glendower for very different reasons than like Gansey is. Yeah, because he wants it to restore his his fortune, his yeah. fortune, doesn't he? Whereas then again, Gansey's oh, more like the pursuit. It's more like the pursuit of the knowledge and like mm. finding it, not for the sake of finding it, but just like to say that he did it. It's because not because he doesn't need the fortune. No, that's true. He doesn't need the fortune, but I think it it in almost like in the eyes of this kind of supernatural thing that's going on, it makes him more worthy of finding it because he's not going yeah. to abuse it. Absolutely. I think that kind of contrast puts Adam in an interesting position. Yeah. Because Adam is the only one of the four Raven boys who is on scholarship. He doesn't come from money at all. He, you know, has a partial scholarship and he works nearly full time fixing cars alongside school to afford this school. And he does want that life that he sees from his peers at Aglionby, doesn't he? Yeah. And that is something that he would want from Glendower. So it's almost like Adam's background makes him worthy, even if his end goal is similar to Welk's. Yeah. Which is an interesting kind of division, I think, between the money issue. Yeah. I mean, I think also, ultimately, Adam has a good heart. Yeah, he does. Whereas Barrington Welk does not. Well, no. He's he's a murderer. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sorry, spoilers, massive spoiler <laughs> warning. Forgot about that. <laughs> we are talking about this in full. Um, obviously, Sarah has not finished the series, so the spoilers will literally be limited to book one. So you are safe <laughs> in that respect, <laughs> but there will be full spoilers. So yeah, there's definitely a murder. Yeah. So we find out in the novel that Noah, who is one of the four Raven boys that lives at Monmouth, with Gansey and Ronan, is actually a ghost. Yeah, and I think the first time round, it's so easy to miss. Yeah. When you reread it, like, I'd kind of forgotten that they didn't already know because mm. he's, he is literally telling them at every turn, yeah. isn't he, that he's dead. Like, that he's not Pretty there, that he's a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they find um, his remains on, on the ley line in Cave's Water. And it turns out that Welk was the one who killed him in search for for this ley line and for Gabe, Cape's water. Um, yeah, it's, it's grisly. Mm. <laughs> but I think what's interesting about the murder in The Raven Boys, as opposed to most Dark Academia titles, is it's not a murder committed by the group. It's a murder committed onto the group. Yeah. You know, it's it's an outside force. I think there's very much a focus on 
even though they all have flaws, they all have issues, some bigger than others, Ronan Lynch, <laughs> um, <laughs> they are all essentially good. Yeah. They they are worthy of this pursuit mm-hmm. of Glendower. And it's not something that they're... It's not a hedonistic search in in the way of um, the secret history or anything like that. But I think also that's almost like you you kind of see that side of it through Welk. Like his journey to that was very yeah. much kind of the almost expected mm. narrative path for a dark academia book. So his is almost like running parallel and like theirs is like, this is how it should be done. Yeah, that's true, actually. I guess it's that that idea of power and money in the wrong hands, isn't it? Yeah. Also, it is a YA novel. And I think that does play a part in that. Yeah, I think so. I think, though, it's very easy to forget that it's a YA novel. It's one of those ones that's... It's so multi-layered that it Mm -hmm. could easily be marketed to adults. Yeah, it, it transcends kind of age boundaries and also genre as well yeah it's it's so many things all at once and i think that's what makes it hold up so well to rereading because there's just so many layers to it i just love it (laughs) (laughs) so next we have dark moody and or haunting vibe yes yes but in that in that mystical way it's not depressing. It's in that um it's in that southern gothic way, isn't it? Yeah. It's in it's very much exactly like the similar vibes to um oh, what's that book? It's a newish book that I read last year. Was it last year? Oh, the Best Villains? No. Such all I could think of that was a gothic that you read last year. Dark and Shallow Lies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has the Southern Gothic about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what's interesting with this one is how there's not there's not a change in atmosphere across the characters and the settings. It's it's very consistent mystical. It kind of like it just permeates everything. It's like that it's like the you know you imagine like the fog creeping across the graveyard in a traditional gothic novel and it's that isn't it it's getting into everything yeah that mystical kind of making you think of things in a different way it's the atmosphere in this novel is so vivid so vibrant and i think that's really linked to the strength of the setting of henrietta because it's this little little virginia town um, that really the only thing that sets it apart is Blue and Mora, Kala, Persephone living at 300 Fox Way. Yeah. This house of chaotic female <laughs> psychics and this elite boarding school, Aglianby, out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia. Mm. It's kind of like those two big powers. Hey, kind of let's not forget about us. Nino's Pizza Place. Oh, I'm sorry. How how could I forget about Nino's Pizza? <laughs> uh, where blue first meets where worlds collide. <laughs> yeah, and you get accused of terrible things accidentally. 
poor Gansy. He does put his foot in it. Oh quite my a days, lot. that boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of Gansy, hero worship of a particular figure or author. <laughs> Check. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much hero worship in yeah. this book. I think that's where the multiple kind of POV, POV element really kind of comes into its stride because if it was, even though I still see it as Blue's mm. story, we don't actually, we're not actually with Blue that much. We're probably with Gansey more than Blue, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think probably because it starts with Blue, it kind of centers her as like, yeah. and she does become like the epicenter of their everything really. Yeah, she does, yeah. Um. But yeah, with Gans from Gansey's point of view, everything is Glendower. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And for the others, Gansey is everything. Yeah. Which is and something we've seen before. <laughs> yes, it definitely <laughs> in is. In the secret history. <laughs> but also like Gansey's focus on Glendower becomes to equal his focus on blue. Yeah. And keeping the other boys safe. Because that becomes his role. And that to him is equally important. Yeah. Because like when um, they're talking about going back to Caves Water to wake the ley line. And it requires a sacrifice. He says no. He's like I want this more than anything in the world. Yeah. But it's not worth it to lose one of you guys. You know. And I think that <laughs> is where the, the real difference lies. Between someone like Henry from the sequel. And it's just so clever writing though because <clears throat> it so easily could have be gone in a different way. It would have been so easy to be like, fine, we'll sacrifice something, someone, we'll do something. Yeah. But instead it makes a very hard narrative choice to say no. Mm-hmm. Because then so, where do you go? Like, Because yeah. that's essentially like you've ended the whole narrative drive. Mm-hmm. But I think it's quite powerful for that. Yeah, and I think that also gives it gives the story room for the motives and the desperation of some of the other characters to come to the forefront, specifically Adam. Yeah, in this in this instance, because he's just he's been beaten by his father, and Ronan has kind of rescued him and fought for him, and um, in order to get Ronan out of serious trouble. He's had to say, yeah, look, my dad beats me up. And he's had to move out and leave. And it goes against everything that he wanted for himself. He wanted to do it by himself. He wanted to go somewhere on his own terms. And this is something, you know, he's like, well, I can sacrifice myself for this. This is something that I choose solely. Yeah. I think it opens up that story for Adam there because book two is a lot about adam and ronan is it i've only i've only read like the first 50 pages and i think that's mostly ronan focused in the beginning yeah it's a it's a lot about ronan and uh, and adam in book two i feel like um the next one old money which will collide with new money or no money is i think we've already kind of said most it's it's quite obvious and but it never it's always shown to us in very um real in human ways it's not just like oh like adam going oh i wish i had some money mm. like there is genuine conflict between 
like the relationships because obviously he's never going to be the same as like Ronan or yeah. Gansey, but the connection that they have and the you know how they care for each other mm. makes it very complicated for him. It I changes think. the power dynamic in the friendship, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And Blue doesn't care. Blue's very much like, I don't have any money. Don't really want it either. <laughs> but I guess because she has, she has a family that loves and supports her. She has a home that feels like home. She yeah. has... Everything that she needs. Yeah, whereas Adam has nothing that yeah. he needs. And acquiring money, acquiring the power that comes with it is the only way that he can see himself as kind of building a home rather well, than yeah and he, and it's a means of escape isn't it whereas blue doesn't yeah. need to escape exactly i think it also kind of that pulls in the kind of big element of found family yeah in this book it's your favorite it's time for weather weather <laughs> so weather used as a literary device such as a pathetic fallacy weather's a big deal in the raven boys it is a big deal but subtly. Mm, they comment on it a lot, don't they? Yeah. And how changeable like the weather is. And I mean, it's a big deal in, in the sense of when at Caves Water, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When they pass through the seasons. Yeah. and Yeah. And but also it... on St. Mark's Eve, it's, it's unseasonally cold, cold. isn't it? Mm. And foggy, I think, as well. Yeah. So, because I think at a lot of points, this novel feels like an autumn winter book and it's actually set in the spring. I I actually feel like it's often, it feels like summer to me. Really? Weirdly. Just because they're not at school? Probably, because you don't see them at school very much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know, it's just got, it just feels like summer. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it definitely has, has a weight to it weather in the raven boys yeah so our final tenet of dark academia is underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider i think this is a complicated one yeah because blue is technically an outsider yeah but she's also accepted into the fold and into the heart of the group immediately and they all love her straight away. Like mm. Gansey, however, <laughs> not an yeah. outsider by any by any means, other no. than from how he's kind of positioned his own self. Like it's not, yeah. but terrible social skills. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yeah, he just his upbringing and the privilege that's been afforded to him sets him apart from people that haven't had that upbringing yeah and that some of the things he accidentally says he doesn't mean to be rude he doesn't mean to be condescending he's trying to help and he's offering to fix it or try and fix things because he desperately wants to fix everything yeah and make everyone happy but he just does it in a really clumsy way (laughs) and ends up hurting a lot of feelings without really meaning to yeah bless him or yeah he also has a nasty habit of accidentally insulting people's intelligence as well (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah definitely and i think there's like no point is when he's he's 
it might be when he's driving home back to Monmouth from his parents' house where he's gone for his mum's um, birthday. And he says he can see himself so clearly in his dad and he hates it. Yeah. And that then makes him really oddly timid for Gansey mm. about speaking from that point. Because he's just had this kind of experience of like, this is my future if I'm not careful <laughs> yeah. and I don't want it and I can feel myself, I can feel it happening to me. Mm. Which I think is interesting because in in lots of the dark academia novels we've read, it's that's what they want. Like the the person who is in the same position as Gansey, that's what they want yeah. to be top of the top of the top. You know, mm. I love Gansey. Me too. <laughs> Richard Gansey the Third. What a name! I think it's longer than that, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, like yeah, there is a names. middle name, yeah. isn't there? Oh, what is it? <laughs> Got to find it now. Richard Dick Campbell Gansey the Third. <laughs> what a name! I know. <laughs> Poor thing. So now we are on to criticisms and interpretation of isolated elements. I'm going to be straight. I have no criticisms. I know, and I struggled to find any that had any real... Like... like, (laughs) It's... There aren't any, really. (laughs) And I think most of, like, the criticisms review-wise are that they don't get along with the writing style, which, fair enough, she has a very distinct lyrical writing style or they don't like YA yeah (laughs) which is so often a criticism put into YA novels and it's actually just that that person doesn't like YA yeah I just I love this book wholeheartedly (laughs) me too I do want to talk a little bit about connections to the secret history though yeah because there are quite a quite a few (laughs) (laughs) so like the setup of the friend group is fairly similar to Richard Henry Francis, Bunny and Camilla. Yeah. But specifically the connection between Gansey and Henry. Yeah, he is a Henry through and through. He is a Henry, but before Henry's gone off the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> he has the, he has morals, I think, is, is the thing there. <laughs> like, he has an actual moral compass. But in the same way, Henry, the way Henry kind of fixes it at the end, doesn't mm. he? Yeah. By you know, in a very in a very dramatic way. What was that? The cat jumped out. Oh. Yeah, the way he fixes it, albeit very dramatic, I feel like is kind of on par with what Gansey would would do. Gansey would absolutely do that, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it's also you could easily place this group as the same age as the ones in the secret history. Yeah, definitely. It could easily sit uh, They're very mature for like for their mm. age. Yeah. Definitely. Especially Blue. Like, it says so many times that Blue is very sensible. Yeah, she's very you know, sensible. She makes grown-up choices and she knows what she's doing. I think that's just the way she's been brought up, isn't it? Yeah. She's, 
And Gansey is essentially like a middle-aged man already. <laughs> yeah. <isn't he? laughs> they actually say that at one yeah. point, don't they? That he's, I think Ronan says he's actually an 80-year-old yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Whereas Ronan still very much has the teen in him and so yeah. does Adam. Yeah, but also Adam has that kind of experience and trauma that makes him, ages him up a little bit as well. Yeah. Also, in the secret history, Richard's dorm is called Monmouth House and Gansey, Ronan and Noah live in Monmouth Manufacturing, Mm -hmm. a converted warehouse. And I remember this when we were, doing the secret history um last season i i read it and i went oh my god i've never made the connection before so i I don't know if that i wonder if that's deliberate i think it probably is Mm. because i'm pretty sure i've seen like on goodreads see if i can find it maggie's review of the secret history and she adores it from what i remember i'm gonna check i'm not making that up (laughs) Yeah, so this is what she said. I adore the character so much. I adore the hint, the breath of the supernatural. I adore the slow building tension and the sense that as a, that I, as a reader, was being skillfully skillfully manipulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then what does she do in her book? <laughs> <laughs> she's got a whole hugely long review about how much she loves this book. Interestingly, though, this review was in 2015 and this, the Raven Boys was published in 2012. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure she probably has read it before, but if not, Monmouth is a big coincidence <laughs> and we know Gansey doesn't believe in coincidences. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to talk a little bit more about Gansey, won't yeah. we? As character analysis. Yes, please. If you would like to take the lead, I know you had some some very big thoughts about Gansey when we were chatting about it the other night. I did. What were they again? (laughs) About his desperation and loneliness. Yeah, he is just so lonely. He is. So achingly lonely. I think that they're all lonely. Mm. But his is like, oh, it makes me so sad. He's the most desperate to fill the void, whereas the others are kind of like, they have like a working kind of acceptance of it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Whereas he refuses to accept it. Yeah, and he he firmly believes that finding Glendower will fix it. Yeah. That's that's all he needs. Yeah. He's, He's He's such a complicated character. He is. He's so much more than... When you first meet him in person. Obviously we first meet him as a spirit. Yeah. But when we first meet him actually as a, as an alive person, there's, there's so much more to him than you'd think of, you know, what blue brushes off as a raven boy. He, I tell you what, he who he reminds me of, he's like a mixture of um, Tristan and Logan from Gilmore Girls. Interesting. Because does not, isn't it Tristan who calls... Rory a different name. Yeah, Jane. Jane. <laughs> isn't it? It is Jane, isn't it? Yeah. And that and was that's what Gansey that, calls. And Luke. that's what 2004, 2005 that season. Yeah. Actually earlier than that for that. Is it Jane? 
Mary. Mary. But it's a similar similar thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and then I find his I find his whole like reason for when he's explain trying to explain it to Blue and um I don't know, he's very he's very life and death brigade to me as well. Yeah. You know, and the way he kind of takes her along with it and she's still not even though she's part of it, she's still kind of an outsider to it in the way that Rory is too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Positioning Blue as Rory is quite interesting, mm. actually. Hmm. What's weird, though, is I don't like Tristan or Logan, and I love Gansey. <laughs> yeah, but the difference is, is that Tristan and Logan are still very... Um, how do I put it nicely? <laughs> <laughs> they are assholes, really. Yeah. Little bit, aren't they? They're Where not very it, sympathetic. They're not very sympathetic, and they're, they abuse their privilege whereas yeah. i think gansey even though he throws his money around like nobody's business he does it in a way that he he wants to help doesn't he he's mm-hmm. always trying to help he's always trying yeah. to he doesn't want to upset people whereas like people like tristan and logan don't care they go out of their way to do it yeah exactly especially tristan yeah <laughs> but yeah that just struck me as really funny as soon as i'd forgotten about that bit too as soon as he started calling him calling her jane i was like I bet, why does that feel familiar? <laughs> yeah, it's because he says, like, it's when he accidentally insults Blue again, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, well, that's an unusual name. And she's like, Gansey. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, he's trying to tease her, isn't he? He just misses the mark a bit. Yeah. But it becomes an affectionate nickname. Yeah, it does. Although, interestingly, when she calls him dick he is not about that and she quickly no. quickly learns not to do that again which i don't I think, think is very fair <laughs> i think for gansey that's positioning him as two different people mm. gansey is truly who he is but dick is the person that has to go to his you know his the charity balls and <laughs> perform yeah as Dick Gansey's son, you know? Yeah. That's where he has to put his mask on. Whereas Gansey is him. Whereas Blue is Blue. Yeah. Even as Jane, she's Blue, you know? Mm. I'm trying to think if I had anything else to say. (laughs) Honestly, like, I, I kind of went in with the intention of making notes and i wrote about three notes and then i just devoured it i know (laughs) i didn't really stop to think i just read (laughs) i mean yeah i i like i said i i told you i couldn't find my sticky tabs and i was Mm. not gonna dog ear this book Mm -mm. um against the rules yeah my copy signed so that that wasn't happening yeah mine too yeah there was one bit that i thought i really liked which was about the um it was when um blue has gansey's journal Mm. and it says the fragments were intriguing but unnecessary whoever put that journal together must love the hunt itself the process of research the aesthetic properties of the journal couldn't be accidental it was an academic piece of art yeah, I highlighted that too. <laughs> and isn't that just what Dark Academia is yeah, as well? Yeah, <laughs> it is in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. And that, I think that journal holds the academic weight of what 
the setting of the university would do. Usually. Yeah. And like in um in Monmouth, it's like and everywhere, everywhere there were books. Not the tidy stacks of an intellectual attempting to impress, but the slumping piles of a scholar obsessed. So you don't need the university because it, it permeates everything. Yeah. This academic obsession. I also I I also say I love this idea that there's a small Henrietta inside mm. of their house. Like, yeah. I couldn't kind of get my head around kind of analysing that more, but there feels like there's something... <laughs> to, to me, it's like... Significant the, about that. The microcosm, you know? Yeah. Like, within Henrietta, Monmouth and Gansey and Noah and Adam and Blue and Foxway, they... That is a, a world within a world, isn't it? Yeah. And as soon as kind of Blue steps into that, that's it. She's gone. She is one of them. Yeah. And it takes her kind of... And it, she even says sometimes that it makes her look at Henrietta differently. Yeah. So I think I'd I'd go with that. It's that kind of... And it's kind of like that bird eye, bird's eye view, mm. which they then get from the helicopter as well. Yeah. It all kind of links its way together which i think is interesting i also forgot that gansey's sister was a pilot which i really love helen yeah <laughs> yeah i completely forgot that helen was the <laughs> helicopter pilot <laughs> yeah she's extremely cool i felt so bad for her with the plate i know <laughs> bless her so um gansey and helen's mum collects uh plates, glassware glass glassware and and Helen's kind of for her birthday, she, you know, went to the ends of the earth to find a plate for her mother that would be perfect for a collection, but it's not glass. Made out of bronze. And it goes, and it's like $3,000 yeah. and it goes down like a lead balloon. Yeah. Bless her. <laughs> yeah. What an interesting family. Yeah. <laughs> I think I mentioned this to you. Yes. Was it yesterday, day before? But... The way all the characters interact with each other is very interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. for a YA novel. Yes. That it's a very fluid group. Yeah. And I like that. I like that their relationships, especially in the first book anyway, even though Blue is sort of with Adam, sort of. Mm. They, they all kind of have a connection to each other that's not, it's all friendship, but it's also more than that. But I think that's that's almost like the whole idea of the Glendower thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's bigger than them. Mm -hmm. Nothing is set in stone. Everything's changeable. Yeah. And you don't quite know what... And it, yeah, it transcends who they yeah. are. It transcends them as, you know, their, their selves, their gender, their... Sexuality. Identity. Yeah. yeah. It's just... Yeah. It's that kind of... It's almost an inevitability, isn't it, as well? It's that fate. Yeah. Um, especially with, you know, Blue and Gansey. Which, as a group, is something that you may notice in a book that we're reading for season three. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> right. So before we announce the titles <laughs> for season three, as Sarah very subtly spoiled there... <laughs> Is it dark academia? 
It's so difficult. I like know. I want to say yes, but also I don't think I can. I don't think it is. But it's the closest we've come in a long time. Yeah. And what sets it apart is the feeling. Yeah. It's that feeling when you're in this world, when you're in Henrietta, when you're with Blue and Gansey and Ronan and Adam and Noah. It's the atmosphere. Yeah. But on paper, no. It's probably not Dark Academia, no. But I'm but, more than happy to see it on Dark Academia lists. Yeah. It doesn't, though. It doesn't pop up that it often. It doesn't pop up that often, no. Considering but the books you... that do pop up, like... Yeah. That just aren't. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing, like, those books that very often do tick boxes and lack the atmosphere. Yeah. This ticks some of the boxes, but it has the atmosphere. And I think, and it has the feeling. And I think that's what we're chasing, isn't it? Yeah. We're chasing that feeling. We're chasing our Glendower. (laughs) We are chasing our Glendower. (laughs) But I think if you like Dark Academia... You're going to like the Raven Boys. Yeah. Because they have that. I keep saying it. How many feeling. times do you say feeling? <laughs> Once and more just... feeling. <laughs> and I know you can't see us, but we are like shaking our hands when I'm we like, say feeling. Yeah. It's, it's in bold, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, final thoughts on the Raven Boys? It's just spectacular. It is. It's a stunning book. And I, I knew, like, that's how I felt about it, but i kind of forgotten how it felt. Yeah. It's like I was saying to you that I was nervous about revisiting it again because I've, I'd read it three times and I'd loved it each time and I was like, you can't surely read it <laughs> again and love it just as much. And I didn't. I loved it more. Mm. It's stunning. So. It's a, The writing is just... The thing yeah. that it's the kind of writing you wish you could do, you you could write like yeah Maggie well, Seafarter is unfairly talented in so many different ways and I am so very glad she is yes me she's too. sharing that with the world you know yeah. she is a master and I will be rereading the rest of the series maybe I'll actually finish it who knows <laughs> that would be lovely this year might be the year <laughs> I mean this this is possible it took you 10 years to um finish the hunger Games, so yeah anything is possible honestly (laughs) right and that is our finale of season two yeah well done (laughs) so i guess maybe we should share the the titles for season Mm. three i am very excited for for season three. i'm really excited there's one book (laughs) that i am anxious about because I've tried to read it before and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. But it's such a pivotal title among Dark Academia lists that it it has to be done. And it's one of Sarah's favourites. <laughs> I'm very scared about it because, again, it's one of those things where it's like, what if I reread it and I go, what the heck is this? Yeah. So we've done quite a lot of rereads for this podcast. And I feel like you need to know that Sarah doesn't like rereading. <laughs> she doesn't all. reread. I'm a serial rereader. Have done since I was a kid. But this is, you know, it's a unique kind of torture for me. But... It's a whole new world for Sarah. <laughs> so for season three, we will be taking a short break to 
get ourselves together and um, get some plans in place. And we will be back on the 4th of October 2022. And our first title will be, drumroll please. Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Yes! And this is the one I'm nervous about. (laughs) I'm so excited. And I'm really excited for the fact that it's not long until book two comes out. And that cover is stunning. Hellbent. Yes. Yes. It's beautiful. Um, But I really... I really want you to like it. I really want you to I like really it. I really want to like it. I mean, I bought it with the intention of liking it because I read the Grisha trilogy, thought it was fine. Read Six of Crows, liked it, didn't like it enough to read Crooked Kingdom. And I just, I just, I want to be part of the world that loves Sleep to Go. Just, someone invite me in, please. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that will be our first title on the 4th of October. And as ever, we have um, six titles per season. So we will also be looking at Bunny by Mona Awad, another one I am super excited about. Mm-hmm. A Lesson in Thorns by Sierra Simone. I'm very excited for which this is, one. <laughs> yeah, which is going to take our discussions in a whole new direction yeah. for this podcast. It's Dark Academia like we have not seen yeah. on the podcast so far before. There will be Vicious by V.E. Schwab. Another author like Lee Bardugo for me actually I've not read anything by V.E. Schwab so I again little bit little bit of trepidation because yeah yeah but I've heard amazing things about this one though and then we will also be reading The Swallows by Lisa Lutz but there is one special episode so we had some trouble deciding what our dark academia adjacent title was going to be for season three so we are opening it up to you guys so on the day that this comes out which is the 16th of august there will be a poll live on twitter and on instagram um voting for what our dark academia adjacent title will be Mm -hmm. there will also be the option to throw other titles into the hat yeah we will absolutely take on any recommendations. And if we kind of look at the poll and go, you know what? That suggestion, way better. <laughs> We're not above redoing the poll. So <laughs> it's absolutely worth throwing throwing your title into the hat. And that will be our Dark Academia adjacent title for season yeah. three. And season three will take us to the end of 2022. Uh-huh. We'll finish if, in mid-December. If you're not sure what a dark, academia adjacent title is we have done a episode each season on a dark academia adjacent title and for this season it was the picture of dorian gray yep and last season it was great gatsby so you can have a flick through and find that and we do also explain it i believe in our introduction episode we do um an introduction to dark academia which again really worth listening to if you're still not 100% sure how you know the tenets we've run through work within the genre and why we are using that as the framework for these analyses (laughs) (laughs) analysis what (laughs) analysis (laughs) see (laughs) 
I don't know, but that word. That <laughs> Analysis, plural, <laughs> of these titles. <laughs> I've completely forgotten what I was going to say now. So, excellent. I suppose that's it. Thank you for joining us. If you have listened to all of this season or if this is your first time, then all the other episodes from this season, the season before, are available to stream. Go listen. And I suppose we'll see you next time.